Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Um, Okay, recording. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We are still in lockdown, but we are still here talking about Scottish rugby. Um, I'm joined on the line from Alan and Matt. Matt, how are you, mate? Very well, thanks. I've uh, decamped to the to the in-laws, which has been pretty pretty good little setup, actually. Been looked after quite nicely, not going to lie. Got my kind of tenants here as well. Well sorted. Very decent. And I was speaking to Alan just before we started, and he said the most on-brand sentence possible. He's got a lukewarm can of Heineken in front of him. <laughs> yeah, no Alan, fridge in the are you enjoying it? Yeah, no fridge in the Alan household, especially for beer. Um, <laughs> no, all good. Uh, Mother half is making pork dumplings tonight, so wow. that's exciting. Yeah, I know. The perfect pairing for Heineken. Yeah, <laughs> pork dumplings and a lukewarm Heineken are the perfect combo. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Well, thanks very much for joining us and coming back to chat. There's been plenty of news since we last joined you. Um, and I think in the interim, Matt also put out that chat with Tim Visser. Matt, Tim came across an absolutely great bloke. Yeah, it was great to chat to. Um, really forthcoming, has some good stories, particularly the Barbarian story that he uh, I didn't really see coming, but was great. Um, had a pretty cool career as well, I suppose, kind of like, you know, coming from Holland. Um, you know, I imagine there's very few people from that country who've, you know, made it as international rugby players. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was really good. Absolutely, yeah. That, um, that Barbarian story is... Absolutely outrageous. And if you haven't listened to it yet, recommend get back into your 
um, your Thistle archive chat with Tim Visser. It was last week. Um, listen to the whole thing, but if you only listen to the to five minutes, listen to the last five um, and hear his story about his Barbarians debut. It is absolutely wild. Um, so we are going to cover off um, a bit of the news that's been happening over the last couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully you've seen it already. Um, we're going to talk about um, Scotland's biggest rugby debate, the third pro team, and Alan uh, published uh, our first ever written piece of comms from the Thistle, um, a long article looking at all of the questions surrounding the third pro team debate. So we're going to talk through some of those this evening as well. And then we're going to finish up with a little bit of a quiz. So that is worth hanging around for as well. But why don't we start off with probably the biggest news of the last two weeks and um, something finally to make Glasgow Warriors fans smile. Uh, Leone Nakawara has signed a contract extension. He is staying for one more year at least in Glasgow. And Alan, how did, uh, how did you react to that news? I mean, pretty well. It's, it's obviously it's it's not a new signing, but it it kind of feels like a new signing, and especially with the kind of last few months in terms of kind of Glasgow not announcing much activity in the market. I just think it was a, bit, a pretty big relief for basically anyone who has an interest in Glasgow. And I think there's clearly this big gap in the second row, which you know, Nakawara now fills. And I think the kind of option of him and Cummings in the row and Richie is uh, is pretty tasty. But no, I think it's good. It's a bit, I was a bit annoyed that it was only one year, just especially with not knowing kind of what's going to be happening with the season next year. And I think, you know, Danny Wilson's obviously coming in fresh and you probably think it's going to take him a bit, a bit of time to kind of hit the ground running. So it would have been nice to kind of see Nakawara kind of committing for maybe like at least until sort of summer 2022. But, yeah, it's it's pretty clash, right? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if his that one year is a reflection of that sort of uncertain market that, you know, maybe long-term contracts are quite hard to come by at the moment in rugby and he does like Glasgow and he can do a year and then um, and see where the land lies. He's probably got one more big contract in him before the end of his end of his career. So, but I mean, Glasgow fans, it's, it's perfect. You look at those top three options of Richie Gray, Leonie Nakawara, and Scott coming coming through. I mean, it's those are three very very quality lock options for them. This is potentially pre-COVID, but when you look at you know some of the numbers that people are signing on for at you know, Bristol or, you know, in France, you think Nakawara is, would be close to getting a million pounds a year salary. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that's changed kind of with what ha- what's kind of happened in the last few months. But, you know, I'm sure obviously Glasgow aren't paying a minimum wage, but clearly he loves Glasgow. He loves the setup and what Glasgow are able to offer him versus, you know, a French club. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's great to have him. Matt, have you got anything to add on uh, Leone? Um, just just one other thing. I think it might have been the, in that interview with um, Jason O'Halloran that Jamie Lard and Robbie passed, but I think he mentioned 
and, and there might not be anything in it, but the fact that having Leone there c- could be a potential draw for further Fijian players, um, because obviously, as you say, he he won't be being paid as much as he would be in France, but. I, w- I would like to think that he's being better looked after as well. And if he also, as you say, Alan, loves the city, um, is, is very happy living in, in, there with his family, then potentially we might see a few more guys uh, coming coming down the line who uh, otherwise would have gone to somewhere like France or England. Yeah, I think Glasgow are about to, about to announce Yatu and Botia as their next two signings for next season. Yatu, Botia... Um, Randrada is pulling out of the Bristol contract. They all want to be what Ouija's from Fiji, as the hashtag goes. Heard about bamboo. They heard about the shed. They're up for it. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? Well, that was the big news um, for Glasgow fans. But they have added one other member to their ranks. A very exciting prospect on the twenties cap. Um, Rufus McLean is coming in and can play across the back three, but is uh, tied as somebody that could uh, that is coming in. He's absolutely jets. That um, highlights video that they put out um, on Twitter and social media for his um, for his announcement is quite exciting. Uh, Matt, are you are you quite excited about what Rufus McLean can deliver? Yeah, definitely. I think he he'd been mentioned as a, a really hot prospect, basically coming straight out of school. Um, and I think, unfortunately, he's had quite a few injuries. He was at Sunnings for a while, didn't actually play that much, and then was part of the Barham Year team for the Super 6. And once again, I don't think he actually played at all in the Super 6. Um, but then you saw when he played uh, in the under-20s, uh, Six Nations for Scotland, you know, he's finally got fit, he's finally got a chance, and he was he was scoring tries and looking like... Uh, you know, pretty exciting talent. Um, I think someone on Twitter sort of compared him to a Darcy Graham type, like sort of, you know, lightning quick, deceptively strong, um, and with a pretty good rubby brain. So, you know, I don't expect him to slot in right away um, and, and make that big impact. But for the future, definitely, he's a, he's an exciting one. He's also got one of the sweetest like school YouTube videos I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like it's got a drone in it and stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, like a few like close ups of him like doing like a place kick, like riding his but just staring at the post. Which is, uh, <laughs> pretty elite for that sort of level. He's, is he, he, he came I, he came through Murky, didn't he? Yeah. And then he had a year at Watsonians and then I think he's been affiliated to the Bermuda Bears this year, but hasn't yeah. played at all. Yeah. Um so to be fair, he's not actually played a game of Super Six. Versus someone like Ollie Smith, who I think we probably thought was more likely to get the pro contract, and obviously has played quite a lot for Ayrshire. But I think obviously watching a few of the under twenty games, is you know, Rufus McLean sort of stood out quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not said. Ollie Smith might not get a contract. I think I understand. There's a couple more to come from Glasgow, um, and I think there's a few. There's maybe a few of those. Uh, Academy slots at Edinburgh as well. Although they, they announced the um, the affiliations of the academy this week, didn't they? Yeah, and I think Ollie Smith was actually in the Glasgow Academy. Yeah. Oh, is he? All right. Well, that'll teach me from not doing my preparation. So there we go. <laughs> Didn't want to call you out, I, but 
But no, that's I, I deserve to be. Look, this is not the podcast for people that want you know absolutely up to the money um, information on Scottish rugby. That's never been our brand. <laughs> um, but it will be interesting to see how uh, Rufus Kane um, fits in because I mean that that Glasgow squad's a little. It's not, it's not threadbare, but it's not you know it's not got huge number of options across that back three. So you'd expect he's going to get some game time. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Um, yeah, as I say, I, I am slightly surprised just just because, as Alan mentioned, the fact that this all these Smith guys seem to um, you know be playing regularly for air and doing very well for the under twenties, and maybe just in terms of like his um, his physicality, I think he's a, a in Rufus McLean is still quite a slight figure. Uh, obviously, got a lot to sort of you know in terms of like professional conditioning to grow into his body and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised to unless Glasgow announced, you know, another more experienced back three player in the next couple of days. Then, yeah, he's going to get his chance at some point, particularly during sort of international periods. Glasgow don't have a a player who has fullback as their first choice position in the whole squad. Still, like, obviously, Rufus McLean was playing wing for Watsonians and for the under twenties, and. Glenn Bryce still hasn't re-signed, is my understanding. Yeah, you're right. He's still... Uh, his, his contract's up in the air. So Glasgow don't have literally, currently, uh, no real options at fullback apart from wingers who can play fullback. Seems like a pretty big gap. But Good. I'm holding, I'm holding out for that Will Jordan signing. He's looking so good at Super Rugby. <laughs> Although I think Jamie, Jamie Lyle sort of like broke Scottish hearts by confirming that he doesn't actually have Scottish heritage, which was very upsetting. I think he also yeah. said something about Stevenson on that same thread. Oh, did he? I'd maybe have to double check that. Yeah, yeah. he is Googling the other one. around, Sean Stevenson has no Scottish link whatsoever. I don't know where this is coming. <laughs> it's uh. It, like, it's great to chat about it, right? That's, that's, at least it's, it's, yeah, it's good to get excited about it. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's at a stage where, unless a sort of New Zealander with a sort of Northern Hemisphere sounding name hasn't explicitly ruled out playing for a Celtic nation, it's worth it's worth thinking about because you never know. You never know what might be there. Um, but a little bit close to home the professional players have returned to training or returned to volunteer um, strength and fit, uh, strength and conditioning training at Murrayfields uh, over the last couple of days, which is a fairly big step. I think the furlough is going to get rolled back over the next few weeks and they will gradually return to preparation with a view to returning to the Pro 14, um, which is pretty significant news. Um, after a long time, do you see the photos going around of Ollie Kebble's haircut? Yeah, it was it was absolutely horrendous. How would you describe that? It's kind of like Hulk Hogan esque. I loved it. Yeah, he's quite Hulk Hogan. Like That's quite good. Reminded me of my lid circa two thousand nine. It is quite similar to that. Oh, kind of, but then you used to straighten your hair, so 
I never straighten my hair. That is, mate, I will take you to court for defamation. <laughs> Straightened your hair and you had no straighteners in your room at university. I remember it. Erroneous. <laughs> <laughs> and other big news coming out of um, Murrayfields, obviously mini Murrayfields, um, that construction has gotten uh, underway again. Um which is an, a massively positive thing for for Edinburgh rugby, obviously, and hopefully that can crack on and be ready for the next for next season whenever that starts. Um, just finally on news, there was a, a story in I think it was the Daily Telegraph this week or about the Sevens program and the fact that it was sort of actively being looked at that Sevens from the individual nations Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and England was going to be rolled in to a sort of Team GB type um, squad, which they obviously use around the Olympics and Commonwealth Games, uh, not Commonwealth Games, uh, the Olympics, um, on a full-time basis. And that's prompted a fairly um, a fairly solid reaction from the SRU, saying that there there is no such conversations about mothballing the Sevens, um, the Sevens, uh, the Sevens program in Scotland. So uh, it, there was quite an awful lot of debate about it. I mean, Matt, I'll come to you first. What's your view on the set, the Scotland Seven setup and its value to the, um, I guess, the SRU in general? Well, I think it's it, it's quite a different um, situation compared with England, where, as far as I'm aware, it, it's not really used as a development tool in England because ultimately they have so many, they have such a good academy system and they have so many opportunities. Um, just due to the number of clubs for young players to get game time. Um, so it, it's almost more of a commercial decision for those guys because, you know, if it's not washing its face, then it's it's it can't stand up as a development tool. Whereas in Scotland, um, the I suppose the commercial argument becomes less important because ultimately it needs to be some form of development tool because we obviously only had the two pro clubs. Um I, I think it has its place still. I think that quite a few, particularly club players, have come through that um, system. It's given them exposure to kind of senior professional rugby, uh, being in a professional environment um, and, and sort of getting used to that. Uh, and you sort of just look at maybe like the, the Edinburgh squad at the moment and you've got guys, particularly in the last few years, like um, Jimmy Johnson and, and Jamie Farndale, who sort of come through and, and done all right at the club level. So you know, I'm, I'm not sold on it in, as the best pathway, but I think ultimately it's, it, it's what Scotland needs to do to, to get some of these young guys through. Yeah, I completely agree. I think England and to a sort of similar extent, Ireland and Wales don't need the sevens as much as Scotland. I think, the counter, there's always a bit of a counter argument to the idea that Sevens is really great for development, which is, you know, Ireland haven't really taken much of an interest in their Sevens over the last kind of 10 years and it really hasn't harmed their player development at all. And I think the key issue there is they have enough opportunities across the four, four pro teams for all their young players coming through versus someone like Scotland, who only has the two teams. So for someone like Scotland, it's just a much, much more important development tool. And I think 
if we continue to have two pro teams over the next kind of like five to ten years, which is almost certainly going to happen, especially given the kind of like current financial climate, I think it will only be ever more important. Yeah, totally. I think the the difficulty is that in order for it to be a good development tool, the the sevens team needs to be operating at a high enough standard. So that necessitates having seven specialists. Um, mm. So you know this this argument that it is purely a development tool, it, it doesn't quite cut the mustard because it's it it can't be because it it yeah. wouldn't. If it was purely development, then it just wouldn't it wouldn't work because you'd be losing every week. Um, but I think there's there's a bit of a I think in some quarters there's a bit of kind of holding on to romantic ideals about the sevens, and I think a few people on Twitter saying that oh look at the you can if you look at the Edinburgh squad like loads of those people have played sevens, but I think that can be a bit disingenuous because. Hamish Watson played sevens and he's talked about it before. And he was like, I was literally horrific at sevens. I played one tournament. Um, and then someone like Darcy Graham came into the team, I think a couple of years ago and was, was awesome. Right. But he, he was probably a level above the sevens at the time, rather than it being the, the, the um, form of the game that spurred on his development. So I, I, it's not a pure development tool, but as I say, it's just, until we get a third pro team, which we'll come on to, it, it is. A, I think it's a necessity. No, agreed. And I think you know it. It is an, It is nuanced, right? I think ultimately that Scotland sevens team is always going to have to be a bit of a blend of those players like Scott Riddle, who great sevens players, and I think even he would admit was never really close to making the step up to being kind of a, a pro or international rugby player. And I think even you look at someone like Jamie Farndale now, I think he's always going to be a bit of a bit part player when it comes to Edinburgh, but again, is a great sevens player. So it's almost like being able to balance those two kind of competing objectives that you say. One is, you know, you've got to have a good enough sevens team to be able to compete and you need those players. And at the same time, allowing space for your George Horns and your Darcy Graves, etc. You can kind of maybe aren't getting what they need from the Premiership or the Super 6, but aren't ready to make that step up. I think there's also a lot of the argument around sevens in in Scotland gets um, kind of muddled up in quite emotional um, ties as well, in that we are obviously the founders of the founders, inventors of the sevens game, and it is tied very much to the identity of Scottish rugby. So I, I think that a little bit blight some of these slightly more harder nose conversations that maybe you have to have about sevens and its role in the world of professional rugby. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. I mean, I still, there is, there's people that still think that there should be a, a leg of the world sevens at Melrose, which to be fair would be really, really sweet. But you know, it's, <laughs> The infrastructure and the ability, the attendance numbers you can get, just it, I just think, you know, even similar to the argument of having a third pro team in the borders, it's it's something that in theory and would be great, but actually when you get down to kind of the practicalities of it, it's just kind of just doesn't really work in like the modern professional age. Yeah. I mean, should we should we talk about that? I mean sorry, yeah, Matt, you go. Sorry. No, 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 let's move on. 
I, I was just going to say we are we're kind of straying into you know issues of development in Scottish rugby and the issues that surround it. So, should we talk a bit about your th- third pro team? Magna Carta, War and Peace, you know, it was about three and a half thousand words. There was charts. There was a serious amount of work that went into it. And um, if you haven't checked it out, um, we will post uh, post a link to it in the uh, in the notes to this pod because it really is worth a worth a read. But we'll talk around some of the issues now. So, um, Alan, as the author, do you want to sort of introduce how you approached the um, the topic of Scotland's third pro team yeah I was uh, obviously being referred to as the the Dominic Cummings of the Scottish rugby world which I guess depending on your political affiliation is either the worst thing in the world or pretty good but it's um no is I've just been thinking about it for a while and I think it's kind of an interesting one because I think people sort of chat about the third pro team without a thinking about what the actual practicalities of putting a third pro team in kind of any of the locations we've kind of discussed are and then also actually what's the kind of rationale for having a third pro team like you know what is the point and I think it's interesting an interesting place to start is the fact that obviously Ireland you know under financial strain back in 2009 considered cutting connect which seems kind of mad now especially given they have won the pro at the time the pro 12 but they did like obviously this big piece of research and they landed on this number of 120 to 130 which they saw as kind of the number of players you needed to run a successful and sustainable national program and i guess the kind of two reasons for that is Number one, if you if you only have sort of whether it's one or two teams, there's not a num- there's not enough young players getting opportunities at the pro level, and then secondly, the number of kind of eligible players for your nation just aren't getting enough game time at a sufficient level. So I know you know, and I say me and me and Matt have chatted about this first point you know, number of young players getting opportunities at pro level so many times. And I just think still underestimated how important opportunity is, you know, outside of like your Blair Kinghorns, who by the age of 17, everyone knew was going to be a professional rugby player. You do get a lot of players that just need that opportunity or a bit of time to prove themselves that level. I, I think you can even put someone like Hamish Watson, who probably needed a bit of time at pro level to get kind of used to that level of rugby. Well, do you want to do you want to go into some of those statistics, Alan, which you you drew out in your in your piece, and and how particularly how Scotland at that sort of under twenty three area um, compares to Wales and Ireland? No, no. So we used under twenty threes as a way to kind of judge kind of the three Celtic nations, and if you look at Scotland. There is 16 players currently in the pro setup who have experience at pro level, so playing for either Edinburgh or Glasgow. And then if you compare that to Wales and Ireland, you've got Wales who have 41 players across the four pro teams with kind of pro experience. And then in Ireland, it's like 54 players. And actually, a lot more, a lot of that group playing for Leinster. I think Leinster had the most actually of all the pro teams. Um, and then actually, if you turn that into volume of games, 
you see Scotland have got 339 games, which is like massively um, taken, massively kind of taken by Blair Kinghorn and Matt Ferguson, who have got like 87 and 61 respectively. And then Ireland have got 615 games and then Wales have got 624. So basically what you have is for Ireland and Wales, you know, triple the amount of young players getting an opportunity to show what they can do as a pro rugby player versus Scotland. And I think, you know, Ireland and Wales will probably have more players coming through the system, but I don't believe that Wales or Ireland have triple or four times the amount of players of the same quality coming through as Scotland. So I think what you find is there is just going to be that level of players, not because they're not good enough for a chance, but just because of the amount of people in front of them and the limited opportunities aren't getting that chance. I I even think with someone like Blair Kinghorn, from what I can remember, obviously he'd come through the age groups and was part of the academy, but his selection for Edinburgh at the age of, what, 18, 19? Was, was actually a bit of a shock. Um, and I think there was a, a bit of a sense at the time that that was under, under Alan Solomons, that Solomons had basically signed like second-rate South African, second-rate uh, Australian players and wasn't giving youth a chance. And it, it kind of felt as if Kinghorn's selection was a bit of a, um, you know, sort of that was the motivation to say, no, I am, I am playing young players. Um, and obviously Blair Kinghorn has taken his chance massively well. But I just think that sort of emphasizes the the importance of, of opportunity that you're talking about. And there, you know, there there must be young guys out there who aren't getting those ops. Um when you mentioned in the piece Matt Smith is just such a it seems like a, a mad example of that in in play. No, absolutely. And I think you know the, the second piece is players who are kind of older who just don't get enough game time at the pro level. And I think, you know, the example we've used is centres at Glasgow and the fact you've got Sam Johnson, Hugh Jones, Nick Grigg, Peter Horn, Kyle Stain and Stafford McDowell all playing for Glasgow. You know, I think if that was a, if that was a similar situation at one of the Irish clubs or one of the Welsh clubs, you obviously see what happens in Ireland where you know, is it Joey Carberry's gone to Munster to get more game time? Someone like Jack McGrath, who clearly is a test level prop, but was then reserve. They're able. They've just got more flexibility to be able to shift players within their teams if needed, and they're less likely to get that kind of real build up of kind of quality. Versus, you know, ultimately. Edinburgh don't really have the space, so unless there is a you know a pro team outside of Scotland willing to give money, which ultimately is then detrimental to the Scottish teams, it's uh, you have someone like Hugh Jones or even someone like Peter Horn not getting that real quality club game time. And I think it's particularly that example of the centre that's not particularly problematic for the Scotland team at the moment because we have so many good centres finally so many good midfield options um but when you look at something like a position like standoff which you know we got Finn Russell and we got Adam Hastings who are getting game time but 
um, you know, and, and maybe it's not the best example because Edinburgh just don't have that Scottish, Scottish qualified ten uh, um, there at the moment. But in the past, that you've had someone like Duncan Weir floating around, who in an ideal world would be playing for the third pro team. So you have strength and depth. You don't just have two players in each position. You have three players who you're happy sort of playing for for Scotland. Um, yeah. So so that that leads to other issues, obviously, as well. But I even think, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many kind of pockets of examples. I think even someone like Charlie Shield, who is obviously a good player at Edinburgh, but has struggled to get a bit, has struggled to get as much game time as I think we maybe thought he would over the last sort of two years. And, you know, if there was a third or fourth, fourth pro team, I would bet that he would have had more pro game time over the last two to three years. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think you're absolutely right. Um, some of the stats are, are really... Um, are really sort of damning and the the real life consequences we're sort of seeing obviously with Matt Smith we don't know the whole story but it seems to be that that has played a played a role so if we've established the fact which I think we all knew that Scotland requires a third pro team the sort of second half of your report looked at you know viable um, locations for it I mean what what sort of came out of that and how did you how did you go about sort of addressing that um that issue yeah we've kind of you've obviously got the classic options of where we previously had pro teams so the borders and then obviously we had the kind of caledonia region which seemed to kind of be cut across aberdeen and perth back in the day but never really got kind of picked on as a pro region got very quickly amalgamated into Glasgow and then you know there's, there's always a bit of chat about London and kind of what London Scottish could do and then I think the other two we saw of added in was sort of Stirling and then Ayrshire so see two cities slash regions that have super six teams and to be fair to them versus places like Aberdeen, Dundee and Perth have shown that there is like a real demand for at least semi-pro rugby, you know, um, versus kind of, I know obviously Aberdeen Grammar and Dundee High have been kind of around the kind of premiership over the last sort of 10 years, but they've not had the sort of same level of kind of consistent backing and support as Ayr and Stirling County have, have had. Um, and then, yeah, you've got kind of what, 
what 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 do you need to have a protein which is kind of it's all relatively nuanced right because if if everyone loves rugby but you've got 50,000 people you know there's some places that can make that probably could make it work but the kind of four main things I think to consider are general the volume of people who live near the protein which obviously is great for somewhere like Aberdeen where you've kind of got the third biggest city but then you look at somewhere like the borders and it's just this this issue of the fact that you've got such a low population so well spread that even if you have a team in gala say you wanted to get to ten thousand people which is you know now becoming a ray it has become a regular glasgow attendance you would need to convert about 20 15 to 20 percent of all the people who live within a 30 minute drive of, of that stadium to come every single friday to to see the borders whereas in glasgow ten thousand people within greater glasgow is like less than one percent right <laughs> so you're kind of your ability to grow that is just so much easier in Gla- in glasgow or edinburgh or aberdeen versus somewhere in the borders where your ceiling's so much lower and you have to convert such a greater percentage of that overall volume yeah sure so where did you where did you net out where is the ideal number one slot for a Scottish rugby third pro team? Nowhere. <laughs> no third team. Nothing. Can't be worked. It is literally impossible. Is it no, true to I say, think it's interesting. I was going to say that, Alan. Is it true to say that you don't think it can work without, you know, either a significant just sort of huge cash injection from the SRU or more likely you know, private money coming in? Yeah, basically. It's it's just not it's just not a workable um it's just not a workable scenario. I think, you know, whilst obviously the SEU finances are better are better in better shape than they were sort of 10, 15 years ago, I don't they're they're not in good enough they're not in a good enough state to be able to fund something like this. And I think unless they were able to sell off Edinburgh Glasgow to a private investor or convince a private investor to take on this third protein there's just no way and and now even more so with what's happened with covid that they could ever afford to to um to fund a third protein so it's it's kind of it's one of those horrible scenarios where we desperately need a third protein but there's no way to fund a third protein. <laughs> yeah. It's really annoying that Jim Ratcliffe's spending all his time on his new like Land Rover Defender line rather than um, spending time thinking about the Aberdeen Oilers, Scotland's third protein. I did CC in Tom Hunter. Oh, no, I was thinking about CCing in Tom Hunter because he is from Ayrshire. Get him, chief backer of the Ayrshire Bulls. I think he's from like Irvine or somewhere around there. Um, well, Ineos are just to go. Rackle Company have just paid BP five billion pounds for five billion dollars for one of their assets. I was like, "Come on, Jim! Like you got the grain to your face. Like that's that chump change funding a pro team for you know underwriting a losing." organization a money losing organization for yeah. a decade 
And what's he done? He's gone and Sadly. wasted his money. He's gone and wasted his money on the the Nice football team and the Sky cycling team. Like oh, when he could, he could be. So why would you want to spend your time in the south of France when you could do it just sort of like in Fife or in like the northeast nope. of Scotland? Yeah, those are both horrible, like t- like tax paying dodging purchases as well. Classic, like Sky Cycling and Nice football. Get <laughs> yeah. get back up north and get invested in the Grangemouth Growlers. That is what we need. <laughs> Jim Ratcliffe is from like East Yorkshire. East yeah, Yorkshire. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it, you can't exactly it's pull his heart just Grange mouth that I keep speak, thinking about him. Yeah, exactly. I think I Tom. Mean, so, to be, to be fair, back to your question, the, the three that I think are have the best opportunity are Aberdeen, Borders, and Ayrshire. I am. Um, I think Aberdeen, just because of the population and the volume of business that goes on in Aberdeen, will always be an yeah. attractive prospect. Although, because the oil price is so shit, it, you, you're just going to struggle with that kind of like commercial buy-in, I imagine. And then, yeah. I don't know, it's, it'd be interesting to get you both your guys' thoughts on the borders. There is still like a romantic side of me that thinks that you get you get the right branding, and you get the right venue, a new neutral venue that the land's given to you for free by a local farmer, maybe John Jeffrey, parting gift to the SRU. We can uh, you can you build it, and they will come. I mean, look, I think it is the uh, it is the the dream to have the borders and it makes sense. It's the spiritual home of Scottish rugby and things like that. It's just, it failed so badly the first time. I just don't know what is it going to take to get over the hump to do it again, the amount of money that's required. And, you know, it's a little bit trite to say it, but the borders is still very sort of, um, I guess, tribal in some respects. It's not quite the right word, but, you know, the rivalries between Gala Jed, Melrose, Hoyk run extremely deep and it was one of the reasons the borders didn't work and when I was reading around the issues of like the Southern Knights, why not run south of Scotland or something like that but the Southern Knights got vandalised when they first went and started playing and things like that and whether that was just some kids or whether it's a a wider issues of borders um, borders rivalries but it is you know, it's it's an issue and that goes beyond if you get a good stadium, if you get good players, if you get a good coach, like actually convincing that fan base is, is always going to be a bit of an issue. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, someone, someone messaged us this week talking about that kind of thing. Saying that, um, you know, Melrose as a club, they're sort of, don't necessarily want to be the one, the sole funders of the Southern Knights going forward. So are sort of asking the, the wider border area to, to be part of the overall effort, which considering, I don't know if the Southern Knights was maybe was the most popular thing amongst people in the borders anyway. Um, it's a bit of a tall ask. I think the, the other point that you raise in the, in the article, Alan, is just the, the commercial realities of, of operating a professional sports team in, in the borders. Like 
once again, you would just have to basically have the thing underwritten by the SRU or a, a, a random um, wealthy backer because the the sort of the the economic output of the area just unfortunately is is not high enough. It's it's the lowest in Scotland. Uh, sorry, not in Scotland, but out of the areas that you listed by some distance. Yes. So so the reality of you know having the that sort of commercial infrastructure to to support a team um, in its infancy and even in the long run, it, I, I just it. The simple maths of it just do not add up by by quite a distance. It really is amazing, wow. though, when you when you look at the size of the borders, which you know it is ultimately the borders as a whole region has about just over a hundred thousand people. Yet, when you look at you know how many teams that they have within the national leagues of Scotland versus any of the other regions, Aberdeen. Dundee, Stirling, Ayrshire, you know, it's, they've got, and I'm, 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 I'm putting bigger and Berwick in the borders basket here, but they've got nine teams in the national leagues and you really forget just kind of the volume of teams they have. The fact that places like Hoyk have more and Gala have more than one team is pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we've answered any questions, but we've certainly poised a few. Um, and if you are, Tom Hunter, if you're sitting there listening, Jim Ratcliffe, we know you're out there. And if you are sitting yeah. on a, um, a Euro Millions win, but you haven't gone public with it yet, um, get in touch because um, I think the first hurdle is um, is probably addressing the finances. Um, but, um, Didn't that come from me, here? Yeah. Didn't that couple from Air win the Euro Millions? Yeah, they did. They won like a hundred million. Was that recent? Wasn't that the couple that bought um, Partick Thistle? Yeah, they did. Was that a separate was couple? Yeah. There was a couple in 2013. They made they made some significant political donations. Um, I believe um, the the. Scottish rugby loving multi-millionaire is JK Rowling. She's a season pass holder. Yeah. Yeah, but she's Edinburgh, you know. I mean, you know, that's that's where she lives. Wow. We need a and she's not and she's, she's historically yeah. not from Scotland. No, I mean, we need a <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be a tricky one. Anyone, we'll look, if you're listening, if you if you are our multi million multi millionaire listener, get in touch because we've got we've got ideas. Alan's got ideas. We can do it. It'll work. Um, what about that John Aberdeen? Wood which group. guy? He's a he's a billion. Uh, John oh, Wood? Wood Group guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's they a sponsor, oh, Ian Wood I'm guys. sure they sponsor. Do they sponsor the sleeve at Edinburgh, or they used to? Don't know. Anyway, they should do more. <laughs> do their patriotic duty and fund a third rugby team. Oh, they they did fund Edinburgh. But you're right. Good show. Yeah, I thought they did. Well, interesting. I think it's, had, it's more. You've had them and and Aberdeen Asset sponsoring Edinburgh. 
So I think if you maybe if you'd done it 10 years ago when oil price was higher and Aberdeen asset were flying a little bit higher, you might have yeah. had a bit more, yeah. bit more of that commercial heave behind an Aberdeen pro team than you would now. I think, I think we saw, we got a re, your article got a retweet from a member of the Scottish Parliament as well. Um, or maybe it was a member of the Western oh, yeah. Parliament, one of, one of the two. So I think maybe what we're talking about is maybe a very targeted ring fence tax just at the people of Scotland. And I think maybe just like for a year, let's just do a penny on income tax exclusively ring fence towards a third pro team just as like a little startup little startup capital and then we can go from there let's make it a realistically the scottish football team is not getting to any major tournaments anytime soon so patriotically we need something to support so nicola was born in Irvine. Hmm? nicola nicola was bought nicola sturgeon was born in Irvine. smp motion to get a new pro team in airshire I think that's it. It's happening. It's good for the <laughs> good for the constituents. It's good for everyone. Local economy. I can. Oh, we can build a case for that. Let's start a letter <laughs> writing campaign. Everybody, start writing to your local MSP about the need for a third pro team. That's what we can do. There we go. Right. Done. Perfect. We could we could do and a room crowd. Yes, I do. It's uh, so on on very quick and very much predicated on the fact that this Wikipedia page is up to date and correct. So if it's wrong, I apologise. Um, what I want from both of you, we're going to go one for one, and the first person to win is the first one to name me five players who played for the Borders and also played for Scotland. We're going to start with Dave, and then we'll go between the two. And if we start to get stuck, I'll start giving some hit, hints and tips. Chris Custer. Is that, is that who went on to play for Scotland or had already played for Scotland? Both. Okay. So, Dave, who have you got? I'm going to go with Chris Custer and use it as a way to just drop in the fact that we're going to be speaking to him next week as well. So for a lockdown nice. session from the West Coast of America, going to be speaking to Chris. I think it's Tuesday next week. Very much excited about that. He also played for the Borders and Scotland. Correct. Matt? Uh, Ross Ford. Ross Ford is correct. Dave? Gregor Townsend? Gregor Townsend is correct. Um, Nick DeLuca. Nick DeLuca is correct. He had 23 caps for the Border Reavers. Two all. Nicky Walker. Nicky Walker is correct. Absolute, I was going to say Hoik, Hoik Ultra, but... Wikipedia says he was born in Aberdeen, so there you go. He played for Hoyk. <laughs> he the did play for Hoyk. He went to school in Hoyk, there you go. Um, Matt, 3-2, what you got? Daniele. Daniele is correct. 46 caps for the borders. It's got to be quite a lot. 16 tries. That's like every Animal. game they played. <laughs> And never and never played for Edinburgh or Glasgow. 
went from the borders to Ulster. Mm. I've got got something ringing in my mind for when he was in the pod. Did Richie Vernon play for the borders? Richie Vernon Mm. is correct. Oh, yes. He had six caps for the border Reavers before moving to Glasgow. 4-3. Matt, what you got? I think Doddy Weir played at the end of his career. You are correct. Doddy Weir had a lot of caps for the borders. 97, post-Falcons. Oh, wow. But never post-playing for Scotland. For all, Dave, what you got? Um, Oh, um, Kelly Brown. Oh, Kelly Brown is correct. The 71 caps for for the borders. And on Wikipedia, it says his points total is 47, which means that he must have scored a conversion at some point. (laughs) (laughs) We'll look into that. Right, 5-4, Matt. To even it up and take it to a tiebreaker, what you got? I'm stuck between two... Um, I'm going to go with Scott Gray. Scott Gray? I mean, it's not on Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I could, it could be complete rubbish. Do you remember? So, so, yes, it's Scott Gray is coming up as playing for the Borders. Oh, you Loser. Dave. Sudden death. Come on. Up. What have you got? Um, as ever, not very much, but some gritty. Um, Gary Armstrong, was he still kicking around? Fucking yes, son. Gary Armstrong, oh. yes. Get in there. You That's love it. it. Matt, to take I'm, it to the second round of sudden death, what have you got? I'm going to go with my other one, purely because he's from the borders, Jeff Cross. Yes, mate. Oh, <laughs> oh God. It's more than I was remembering. Yeah, Jeff Cross, 49 caps for uh, Gallo Shields Ultra, Jeff Cross. The six all, taking it to the next round. Dave, what have you got? Jesus Christ, I thought I thought I was done in the last round. I can't believe I'm still here. <laughs> um, uh, trying to think of people that played. For some reason, I'm thinking people that have Slip played for pick. Newcastle also played for the Borders. Um, That's not a bad shout, that actually. Um, in which case, Scott McLeod. Oh, Dave, yes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Scott, Mc- Scott McLeod, 60 caps for the Borders before Scarlet's Edinburgh and the Falcons. 7-6, Matt, on you. See, Matt, that was my Matt, one you well. gave me that. Yeah. Um... 
Bruce Douglas. Jesus, Jesus Christ! We're on to we're on to the <laughs> the next round. Bruce Douglas, ninety-two caps for the Borders, absolute ultra. Jesus, right, Dave, we're back at you. I'm giving you a fifteen-second limit. We're going to keep this quick. Give me a position. There's a, there's still a couple of props floating around. I'm not going to lie. A couple of props. Couple of props. Who was big, that? Big who name was, prop. Who, a big name prop. We haven't had that many. Five big seconds, name props. Dave. Um. Uh, no, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> you got to chuck a name out. Um. Ryan Grant. <laughs> Ryan Grant, six caps for the borders between 2005 and 2007. <laughs> Mate, have you got the list in front of you? This is a fucking stitch-up. <laughs> no, I don't. Really? No, I don't. And Matt, it's on you, 15 seconds, to tie the game, take it to a ninth round. Uh, I've got another prop. Calvin Kerr. Oh, get away! Yes, Gavin. <laughs> are you looking? Are you looking this? No, no, mate. Right. Who is Gavin? Eight all. Eight all. Ain't carried 50, 50 caps in the end. Yeah, he had a lot. He had a lot of game time. Yeah, right, caps. Dave. You got ten seconds. I need a. I need another name. <laughs> no, I, do, I don't. I don't have any. I'm at the absolute don't bottom know. of my. Uh, are we still looking for props? Just, just say you've got five seconds. What do you What do you think? Gordon McElwem. <laughs> How do I spell the last name? M C I L W M. Never. No, is it? From what I can tell, he was a he played for Glasgow, Bordeaux, and Munster. <laughs> there you go, Matt. To win, what have you got? Uh, Sky can think of, but I don't know if he got a cap. Um, uh, McDougal guy, this the like, Aussie centre. I, I need I need full name for for the victory. That is. Ridiculous. Caps from Manly and Melbourne Storm. Ben. Ben McDougal. Well done. There you go. That <sighs> must be like I mean, if I'm going to lose on Ben McDougal, that's fine. <laughs> I was riding on the seat of <laughs> my pants for a long time there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of players that have played for, for the Warders over the years, to be fair. A lot of, like, Big name Scotland players to go back to a kind of original point who got their kind of opening opportunity at yeah. uh, at the borders. Yeah. There's the development tool. That's all we need. Yeah, I never heard of this wow. Gordon. I haven't heard of this Gordon McWalliam guy. <laughs> McWalliam, not McWalliam. McWalliam. <laughs> How have I missed this guy? <laughs> 
he's like it? my sort of he's always my sort of go-to answer for sort of like cult Scottish props. There you go. Now Glasgow. Wow. Sorry, Gordo. That was great, Alan. Thanks very much, there and we go. thank you, mu- thank you very much for everyone for coming back and listening to us, um, keeping in touch during the lockdown. Um, we're always active on Twitter. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod. Chucked out a meme this week on the Instagram, thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And please do send us emails at the thistle rugby at gmail.com if you've got any thoughts. So please do get in touch. We love hearing from you. And check in next week. We're going to be speaking to Chris Custer on Tuesday or Wednesday. So more pods coming. Can't wait. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.